It's Tuesday, June 8th, 2021, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I am your host, Marcelo Pico, editor-in-chief of Talk Film Society, um, occasional writer, podcaster. I mean, that's what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm podcasting. Um, here to introduce episode 84 of the Talk Film Society podcast. Yes, this is episode 84, but this is the second episode of our new season, right? I guess it's a season uh, where we have uh, a guest on every week and they tell us, well, they tell me uh, their uh, top 25 films of all time. And this week's episode, uh, we have uh, Brianna Ziegler uh, at just Bri Ziggs on Twitter. Um, well, she was fantastic. Uh, and for the next hour or so, you're going to listen to her and tell me her favorite films of all time. Uh, the top 25 of all time. Um, and yeah, before we get to that, great conversation between her and I. Uh, let me just tell you that, uh, yes, we're doing this as part of the TFS 100 campaign poll uh, ballot thingy. Uh, you can fill one out. Uh, go to talkfilmsociety.com slash TFS100 TFS100 fill out your ballot um, and uh, yeah let us know what your top 25 uh, films of all time are so that we can add up those votes and get a top 100 list out uh, at the end of the summer uh, yes, I think those are due early August. So get those ballots in. Tell us your top 25. And hey, follow us on Twitter at TalkFilmSoc. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, I guess, uh, at Marcelo J. Pico. Um, you know, stay tuned for some great articles, reviews coming out on the site. Um, listen to this podcast series. Hey, listen to uh, Have a Nice Apocalypse the uh, podcast series that Marcus Irving and I have covering the works of Richard Kelly and Southland Tales. Um, that's happening bi-weekly right now uh, through the end of the year into next year. We have a lot of episodes lined up. Um, and yeah, I think that does it. I'll say, oh, Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety. If you want to support us, get bonus episodes, etc., uh, etc. Et Thanks everybody who uh, is supporting us on there, who's a patron. Um, and that's it. I should also say, I I uh, have to apologize to Brianna because uh, I'm sure I mispronounced her name a few times during this episode, and I even asked her how to pronounce it. And um, uh, loyal followers of Talk from Society will know I am very dumb when it comes to pronunciation. So uh, apologies to Brianna. But uh, other than that, hey, great episode. You'll see if you just listen. Uh, to Brianna Ziegler discuss her top 25 films of all time. Um, thank you for coming on, by the way. Uh, thank you for doing of this. Um, thank you for having me. You're the second person who I forced to do this. Um, the uh, first person, Greg. I mean, he was great, uh, but uh, he did DM me uh, after I, I booked him and asked him to do it. He booked me and um, well, he messaged me saying, "I hate you, Marcella, for making me do this, for making me uh, uh, come up with a top twenty-five of all time." 
and it's hard. <laughs> I, I mean, I, this is something I'll say throughout this series. Like, I'm also going to make a top 25. I have not done it yet. Um, I'm forcing more people to do it before me, <laughs> which is... It's like I, it's like I'm jigsaw and like I'm just seeing how it all plays out. Um, yeah, that's cruel. And then, and then at the end of the series, I'll make my top twenty-five. And but yeah, it's I, I'm in, I'm interested in, in that process of how like you and other people come about making these lists and how personal they are to you and like how you see them uh, or like how you cultivate a top twenty-five of all time, right? So I'm interested in that. Um, and of course, I have to say like. Uh, concurrently on Talk Film Society we're doing our Talk Film Society 100 poll where we're asking people to give their top 25 and we're going to add up all the votes and at the end of the summer we'll have like a top 100 so yeah that's also oh why we're doing this um, oh so why don't we dig into it because it's a lot it's a lot to talk about and I want to pick your brain on some of these movies and, and, and your process of making this list um, we should get started because uh, I've learned my lesson last time you know uh, uh, not to you know, not to spend time, you know, talking about Cruella or anything. You know, we've done that. Mm-hmm. We've done that off mic. That's enough. Uh, <laughs> but this, okay. So you gave me a top twenty-five. Your top twenty-five of all time. Um, you specifically said unranked, right? You refused to yes. rank these, right? Okay. Yes. Um, and and this list will also be on the Talk from Society podcast episode page for anybody who wants to you know read through them uh, beforehand. Um, but I arranged them chronologically from release date and we'll talk about them that way. We'll go through the list that way and we'll do like five at a time. So, you know, we'll, you know, we'll say five and then we'll talk about them. Then we'll keep going on. That's the plan anyway. Let's see how this, let's see how this all pans out. Um, Mm -hmm. okay. So I'll just go ahead and say the first five on your list chronologically again, unranked. Okay. Uh, Susperia from 77, uh, girlfriends from 1978 after hours from 1985, Clifford from 1994 and Event Horizon from 1997. What a oh, yeah, bunch that's right a there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good a really so far. I don't even know where to begin. I love that you have um, Event Horizon on here because yeah. that is a movie I revisited not too long ago and it blew me the fuck away again. Like, I knew it was a good movie, but then seeing it again, I'm like, oh, this is a fucking great movie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, now, it is. And and also Clifford, which I've yet to see, I've been meaning to see. Mm. That's the Martin Short vehicle, right? That's yeah, the with Clifford, Charles Grodin. With Charles Grodin, rest in peace. Um, yes. Holy crap. Uh, so you have those two. I don't know. What do you want to say about these five in particular, uh, Brianna? What, what, what can you say about... Suspiria, Girlfriends, After Hours, Clifford, or Event Horizon? Um, so, I mean, as with, like, the whole list, it's, like, a, a general mix of, like, old favorites, like, enduring old favorites that I've loved since I was a teenager, of which there's actually not as many at this point, um, and then newer stuff. So this is a pretty good bunch of that, because Suspiria is, like, a movie I discovered in college i think i think it was like right when i started college um event horizon was introduced to me by my first college boyfriend and then um girlfriends i watched i think the next three were all watched uh in the last year i think girlfriends i watched summer during the pandemic after hours i think was shortly after maybe in the 
fall or maybe before. It's all in my letterbox, so I could be totally wrong. Um, and then Clifford I watched in December. Um, uh-huh. but And then I rewatched it recently, which is when I gave it the shining like four stars and a heart because um, I think it's a fantastic film. I was on a podcast recently where we talked about Clifford and it was, it was great. Everyone on it was a sweetheart. I had a great time uh, being on it. But one of the guys who they invited to chat about Clifford, it was um, put together in the wake of Charles Gordon's death last week, right. RIP. And um, one of the guys was like, yeah, like Clifford is so funny, but it's like not, it's not actually like a good movie. And I like wanted to, <laughs> wanted to be like, I'm sorry, but if a movie like makes you laugh, if a comedy film makes you laugh, then it's good. Like I, I don't, no offense to him. He was perfect. I'd, I, he was a perfectly nice guy, but um, I, I, I didn't even try stepping on his toes with that. I didn't want to get into a whole like argument, but it's like if a film is a comedy and it makes me laugh throughout like the majority of the runtime, it's a good movie. I I don't know why we have to be like, so like pedantic about what is or what isn't like good when it comes to comedy. I don't know. I know there's obviously like a lot that goes into filmmaking for different people, but for me, it's like the intended purpose of a comedy is to make me laugh so it's like if it does its job then i give it a good rating and i say it's a good film anyway that was a whole (laughs) extra thing but um yes suspiria and event horizon were like really like i was so into suspiria in i think i might have been in high school was senior year of high school or or freshman year of college and it was one of many films that were introduced to me on Tumblr. Like I owe Tumblr so much for so many of the films that I'm into now, like small stuff too, that I don't know really like when or where I would have discovered them elsewhere. Um, But yeah, Suspiria, I I don't even remember how, but I just remember seeing it and I just, I sought it out. Um, And I love it very much. Event Horizon was like, yeah, I, I was, it, it is, I'm sorry, I could go into, I, I don't know how much you like want me to say, because I could say so much about all of them. But I guess, I guess as a group, which is what you're asking me, I feel like it's a nice little kind of, it's not exactly half and half, it's like uh, three to two. But in my opinion, it's a nice little bunch that combines some of my like, teenage college sensibilities with my more recent, like, film proclivities yeah. uh, and and just my taste in general like Goofy's dumb comedy with Clifford or like Event Horizon which is a movie people don't think is very good which I think is amazing or like After Hours which is like an un- underrated Scorsese comedy so I do think it's like a good group of film that films that really like encapsulates my taste in general yeah um, a note on Clifford like I've yet to see <laughs> I do want to see Clifford like and I've heard like pretty much like your passion for it is what I've heard uh, the most recently, and I that's why nice. I want to hear from from people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, whether it's in real life or on Twitter, when they talk about movies, like give me that positive. Like, don't I? I, I said I, I was going to see Clifford on Twitter. I tweeted that out, and some I'm not, I'm not going to name who it was. Somebody responded mm. back, like, "Good luck." And I'm like, don't give me that. Like, what are you, what are you trying to do? <laughs> it's like, I, and also the man just, you know, passed away recently. I, I want to see something that I keep hearing is like a, f- a fun movie. Maybe, quote unquote, bad to some people. But I want to experience it and, and maybe enjoy it. So 
Um, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Give, give Clifford a shot, people. It's, I think it's still on Absolutely. HBO Max as of this recording. It is, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, oh, I'm going to touch on After Hours because that, I believe that is right. the only Scorsese on the list. Um, mm-hmm. And that one in particular. I And I also bring this up because I have been reading like um, Roger Ebert's Scorsese book because um, I've been bored at work recently and I just needed something to read. Um, God, After Hours to me, and it's hard for me to even like rank any of the Scorsese films. You know, I, I say The Departed sure. is my favorite one, but you know, it, oh, it, nice. it, he's got at least like five, ten masterpieces there. Whatever. After Hours, talk about After Hours in particular because you said you've only seen that uh, semi-recent back in December, right? No, that was Clifford. I've seen. Oh. I saw After Hours for the first time last year, but since I year. saw it for the first time, I've seen it three times. See, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at because it feels like a movie that, like, with um, repeat viewings, I think it just gets better and better, right? Because I've only seen like it three does. times over the last few years, but every time okay. I see it, I'm like, this is more amazing than I thought. But God, yeah, it it definitely is like the lesser like not lesser known Scorsese but like you know not as known and not it should be more talked about right it should it should be up there with like his other masterpieces cuz it there's there's a lot going on in there um it also kind of ties into something else uh further down on your list that I also want to talk about but we'll talk about that when we talk about it um <laughs> okay next five this is great uh eyes wide shut Marie Antoinette, mm. or sorry, let me say the years. Let me have some kind of format. Uh, Eyes Wide mm-hmm. Shut from 99, Marie Antoinette from 2006, Super Bad from 2007, Burn After Reading from 2008, and A Serious Man from 2009. Hey, look, two Coen Brothers movies there. Two Coens, uh, yeah. I, I did not plan that. Um, why don't we start there with the Coens? Uh, why? Okay. I mean, so I'm skimming through your list again. I believe the Coens are the only directors to make. Uh, a double appearance on your top 25 yes um talk about that why have the coins on there twice and that's something i'm interested in too some people who have talked to about these lists are like give themselves rules about you know oh i want only want to have like one director uh film on there right you know one hitchcock mm-hmm. whatever one kubrick one fincher whatever um but you're like screw that noise two coins <laughs> yeah talk about that in your uh appreciation for these two films well i'm not like i'm not particularly um like i don't make lists of favorite films really like i did for fun like 200 favorite films on letterbox last year just because i kind of wanted to categorize it and looking back on it um when i was trying to make this list i was like oh this is just bullshit i don't even (laughs) agree with the list that i made less than a year ago like I did it in a really dumb way. I think that doesn't actually reflect what my favorite movies are. Um, but like, I don't make, I used to, when I was in college, I mean, my list was like, I had like a strict top five that was like, uh, like American Psycho, Reservoir Dogs, Train Spotting, Fight Club. Um, like I, I, I had these on hand. I don't know what else it was. There was something else, probably like a Clockwork Orange. Um, cause I was a film bro, but like I, I had that like list on hand at any given moment. I had it ranked. It was like American Psycho is my favorite film, but now it's like, I just love so many films for so many different reasons that to even attempt to list them, let alone rank them just feels futile to me. Um, and just not necessary. Um, I don't think it, it needs, 
it just doesn't need to exist to reflect like what I love about movies. That being said, um, I would say unrelated to uh, the Cohen listing, I would say Eyes Wide Shut probably comes when we get to it in this little grouping. Eyes Wide Shut is the closest thing to a top favorite film that I would say exists right now. Um, but so just in terms of having two Coens, it's just like, I just don't care. I mean, I just made yeah. like a list. I made I made this list. It really didn't take me that long. When you told me a list of 25 films, I was like, oh, fuck. But like, I, I, I went... I went through movies I've seen recently in the past year. I went through my list. I went through and I just, I did it based on movies that have really greatly affected me that I either have seen multiple times um, or I've seen throughout my life or like I haven't seen multiple times, but I was very, very affected by and like love like a lot, like um, Melancholia, which, or no, Melancholia I have seen twice. Okay, that's a lie. I have seen all of these films multiple times. But yeah, so I mean, it's just like, I love A Serious Man and Burn After Reading. I wouldn't say the Coen brothers are, like, in my top, like, like, I love them a lot, but I wouldn't say they're super, super up there for me. But, um, I mean, I do love quite a few of their films. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, again, again, I'm not, like, uh, I'm not super strict with how I, I feel uh, a director's should be included into such a list. It was just like, what are my favorite movies? What movies do I love a yeah. lot? I love Burn After Reading and A Serious Man. There you go. They're going to be on the list. Exactly, yeah. And I love them too. <laughs> I love Burn After Reading. I had a, I still oh. have a, 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 a beautiful memory of watching that opening weekend and like half the audience just not getting it and the other half like, dying in laughter and i was like of course i got it i mean i, I loved it from the start um yeah God, i mean it, it might hold my favorite brad pitt performance ever in that movie God, he's yeah maybe the oh, best he's so good maybe the best clooney has been in a coen brothers movie maybe oh. just <laughs> that entire cast is amazing and that oh, like top tier like fuck you coen brothers endings too Oh, it's it's a beautiful movie. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say. I feel like it's also funny that they're both on my list. I didn't think about this before. They both have just such like their endings are just so like not similar, but like us that that kind of like fuck you. Like, w- what did we even learn from this? Exactly. Yeah, that's like like a that's serious good, yeah. man has that you know the ending with the uh, with with um Larry getting his potential like cancer diagnosis and and the and the tornado and then of course burn after reading is just like oh uh, I don't know what did we learn like I guess nothing <laughs> and then yeah just really like like I like um not 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 real resolutions to either film. Yeah, it's. <laughs> And again, we could talk about this for hours. Um, but I, I did, I did write something on the ending of um, a serious man a few years ago, and I, nice. I always thought it was more. It was like maybe the Coens responding to. It. Maybe the timing doesn't work out because it was two thousand nine, and um, you know, uh, No Country for Old Men was like two thousand seven. But yeah, I imagine maybe like if you uh, if you think oh maybe they you know came up with the idea of a serious man like right after. They got the Oscar for No Country, um, mm. and a lot of people didn't like that ending to No Country. I know somebody who I used to work with, huh. when that movie came out, just hated 
No Country because of that ending. And when I saw it now, I remember this, actually. When I saw it opening weekend, uh, No Country, like, there were people just muttering, like, bullshit at the end of it. And I'm like, what, like, what the fuck? <laughs> so maybe, like, to me, in my head, in my head canon says, like, you know, these, like, a serious man and after reading maybe were, like, more of a, a response to, like, that ending. And, like, oh, you want a... You want like a uh, an ending that doesn't make any sense, or here you go. <laughs> so anyway, I love them for that reason. I love this era of the Coen Brothers, and mm-hmm. I think I forget what year Inside uh, Lewin Davis came out, but that's twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty thirteen. That's a movie I need to revisit, <laughs> and that might be my favorite of theirs. But who knows at this point? Um, I honestly would have added it to the list. I I it was like in my my final kind of like. Uh, like, I thought of it. I was like, should I add it? And then I just was like, no, I definitely like A Serious Man and Burn After Reading More. And then I had other stuff that I had to make it into. But Inside Lewin Davis is a definite, like, runner-up to this list. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I love the movie mm-hmm. so much. Well, I, 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 wanna, I can't <laughs> let this uh, slip, but um, Marie Antoinette, I love that you have here. I'm actually... Uh. I actually have that movie on mute in the background as I record this and wonderful it's it's partly because I saw it on your list and also I just spent the better part of like the last two hours writing something on uh, Coppola so- somewhere that movie um, oh, that's another amazing movie I watched uh, for the first time uh, just a few months ago yeah I I've loved that movie <laughs> since it came out somewhere and mm-hmm. I know I'm going to put a Sofia Coppola movie on my top 25 and now I'm having a hard time deciding which one it might be somewhere it might be uh, marie antoinette um we'll see but i'm glad you mm-hmm. i'm glad that you have this on here i love sofia coppola um and and even like me having it on mute in the background it's a beautiful movie oh god it's so beautiful oh it's so beautiful so beautiful um and funny yes <laughs> so, i mean even watching like jason schwartzman like eat his food right now it's it's oh, he's so good yeah <laughs> Uh, oh, I also don't want to pass by Superbad, another comedy. I, can, oh, yeah. I love they have comedies on here. I, I'm going to take a wild guess um, and like say that like once the Talk from Society has their top 100, I'm going to guess there's not going to be many comedies on there. And I think that's the case. We were like kind of touching on this with Clifford too. That's the case for like a lot of like these best of lists. Like comedies are just kind of just not considered you know, quote unquote serious enough, I guess, which is a mm. goddamn shame. Cause I think super bad is like a, like a true, like masterpiece of comedy. It I is a masterpiece. Yeah. <sighs> I think it is It's, so it's like a perfect bad. comedy film. Like there's, I like, I, I have said this before and I said it on my, on my letterbox review of Booksmart, And I hate to compare the two, but when Booksmart came out, it was like, people were comparing it because for obvious reasons, the films have the same plot. I mean, it's yeah. the same plot as Superbad. Um, it stars Jonah Hill's sister. It's like, how can you kind of not compare the two? And people were calling it girl super bad and saying like, there was like discourse around the jokes in Superbad not aging well and, and Booksmart being better. And like, I rewatched, I liked Booksmart when it came out and then it really soured in my mind. And then I rewatched it back in November last year. And it was like, it, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was funny at all. And it was just like, I, I really, it really like came into focus just how like some of the jokes in Superbad did not age well, but it's still like a, 
95% hilarious fucking movie. And yeah. it's like, I would say every single joke in Booksmart did not age well and like will not hold up whatsoever. The way Superbad has, it's such an enduring portrait in my opinion of like specifically like suburban um, adolescence. Um, and yeah. just that kind of raunchy, disgusting uh, humor that even as a girl, like I relate to so much more than I did at all with Booksmart. Again, I hate to, I hate to, all that being said is just like, I think it is such a masterpiece, just how enduring it, it really is. It's still funny. It's still like relatable. Um, uh, yeah, no. I could go on about Superbad. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm totally with you, and I'm, I'm a I've gone on record as like a like a huge admirer, huge fan of Judd Apatow. He, he didn't direct this. I'm sure he produced Superbad, right? I you think know, he produced produced it. it, right? But like that era of comedy, you know, Judd Apatow, uh, you know, uh, Greg Matola, like Seth Rogen, like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you look back at those movies, yes, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of currently what 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 people would say is like yes, yeah, some of it's problematic, sure, but it's sure. Like, it, I, but yeah, like I said, like there's like a ninety five percent like hit rate of like it still works, it's still like still holds up, it still holds up, and yeah, through that lens, yeah, that yeah, I, I don't know if like people just or can I, can't get past that. I don't know. I I, I don't want to. I don't know. Speak on that, but. <laughs> For whatever Sorry. reason, I I am just on board super bad and like yes, it, it definitely yeah. holds up from watching it uh, again, you know, recently. It does sure it, 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 I love it. Um speaking <laughs> of speaking of Seth Rogen, let's let's go on. because uh, there's a Seth Rogen film on here too. And a uh, hey, another uh, uh Kirsten Dunst movie. Here we go. The next five. Oh, Observant yeah. Report from two thousand nine, Watchmen from two thousand nine. The Social oh, yeah. Network from 2010, Melancholia from 2011, and Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie from 2012. Oh, yeah. One of All these right. films is not like the other. <laughs> Actually, no, I have Observe and Report in there, too. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. So I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> That's a good group of films. Wow. Jeez, all these groupings are just perfect. Jeez. That's pretty insane. You have, right in, in this five, you have at least two movies that are going to make my top 25 for sure. And that's Melancholia and The Social Network. Um, nice. Let's start with Melancholia. I love Melancholia. I, I, I'm gonna give you my quick story of Melancholia, and I, I hope. Okay. I, and I, I don't, even, I don't know if anybody else is gonna rank Melancholia up there in their top 25. So this may be the only time I tell the story, but I saw it for the first time when it came out. Blown away. I didn't think it was like, you know, best of all time material. Mm-hmm. Then a few years later, I was going through some shit in my life. Um, I decided to watch it again for whatever reason and I had like a mini panic attack afterwards mm-hmm. and that has never happened to me after watching a movie like where it affected me so much that I just felt that like and I was like what? that's intense then I watched it again like a year or two later and I was like oh no this is I, I know why this is affecting me like it is because it's it's a it's a it's a like masterpiece i keep saying that word i hate it but it's amazing and i relate to it in ways that you know i can't even describe it's it's an important movie for me Uh, i say all that Mm -hmm. i'm staring at a 
poster I have of it on my wall. So that's how important nice. it is to me. Um, but mm-hmm. I'll, sh- I'll shut up for a while. Talk about Melancholia in, in, in particular. Talk about that movie. I watched it for the first time during the pandemic. And oh, I was very yes. stoned. <laughs> and yeah, it was like a movie that um, it had been written about before where um, just in terms of like dealing with like impending death, I guess, uh, even though I forget what the article was that I referenced, I, I wrote about melancholia. Um, but I guess just dealing with the general morbidity of, of the world, uh, it was it was written about a bit towards the beginning of the pandemic. But uh, it had been on my list for a while to watch. Uh, I was really high. I watched it. I thought it was fucking amazing and very comforting. Uh, like people talk about melancholy being depressing, but I mean, I think it's very beautiful. Like I, I love the idea of just knowing we're all going to die and there's like nothing we can do about it in that moment. And like being like, 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 I don't know, just facing it. And, and I don't know how to describe it, but I wrote about it in, in, in relation to Tim Heidecker's uh, album that came out last, last year called fear of death, where he just like talks about being afraid of dying and like, like in these very like upbeat songs, uh, He's got two in particular where he just talks about like, oh, I'm going to die someday and <laughs> I'm very scared of it. And I wrote about how like how both films like create comfort in morbidity, just like in and how there is like research done on like how just thinking about death and confronting death and like being open about it can create like ease and uh, comfort in something that we're all generally very afraid of. And that's what I got out of melancholia was just this great sense of ease um and like what's her face i forget her name in the film um what's her character's name kirsten dunst's character you think i should know this but i have to look it up (laughs) uh whatever her character's name is like she's obviously like severely depressed and she's the only one justine hmm? justine i knew it was something like j and then Ean. um so yeah justine is like the only one who is like okay with it because she's like already severely depressed and like okay with death and it's like and so she is willing to confront it and find peace with it whereas like everyone else in her life is just so preoccupied with like preoccupied with thinking that it's not going to happen and like in denial which is like what we all are, are already about our own deaths uh so yeah, I don't know. I think it's a very, uh, it's like a ironically very like moving and uh, comforting film for me. Yeah. Uh, but that's why I, I love it so much and why it's, I included it on this list. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful film about death. That, that's yeah, yeah. It's that's that's what I take away from it too. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned Tim Heidecker. Speaking of Tim Heidecker, um, a movie Good. I a, I'll say this: a movie I've only seen once, but was entirely grossed out by it that I didn't want to think about it for years, but I just recently bought it on Blu-ray uh, from the Dollar General store. <laughs> so I will see it again. Uh, Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. Um, yes. Uh, I don't even... Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's good. Go ahead. Right? <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> it's I, like, I mean, it's a movie for fans of Tim and Eric. It's like, if yeah. you're not a fan of Tim, you, and you have to be like a diehard fan of theirs. Like, people who are fans of theirs, I know, like, 
don't necessarily like it. Like my ex-boyfriend, I watched it with him when we were together and he liked Tim and Eric, but like yeah. he wasn't not really into the movie oh my gosh, um, it's, at all. I, th- I think when I saw it, it may have been like a bridge too far for me, but I really want to revisit it because I think my appreciation for like that type of comedy, because I loved Tim and Eric, but like since then I've, I, I've grown to love like, like Eric Andre uh, and like right. his brand of comedy, like that, that he adds like this gross out thing. I think I'm. I think the biggest thing that grossed me out of a uh, billion dollar movie was that the, like the shit, tub. the shit tub. I think that's the yeah. only thing <laughs> that's really holding me back from a rewatch. But I will rewatch it. Trust me, it's on my shelf. But yeah, okay. I. Uh, uh, you're talking about um, uh, Tim Heidecker's uh, in a work, um, but I, I'm fascinated by him because he. Is doing some. I, I, I recently talked about his uh, stand-up special for a podcast um, <sighs> a few months ago. Yeah. But and also on that podcast, I talked about uh, his um, his show um, on cinema, right? Which I've seen. Yes. Part bits and parts of, but yeah, okay. I need to get more into him. I th- I guess. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But 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 you're a huge fan, obviously, right? I'm a huge huge fan. Yes. Yeah. Probably my favorite artist. Yeah, but do you think? Uh, the uh, do you think Ben Dahl movie is like is like his his best work? What what else has he done no. that that may have surpassed this? Oh, the, I think in general, like I, mean, I think on cinema is like his masterwork. Okay, I think him and and Greg Turkington's uh, work with on cinema is is probably like probably the best thing that Tim Heidecker has done. But that's saying a lot. Um, and not to diminish his other stuff because he's very talented and he does so much and, and um, I like everything that he does. He's a true Renaissance man. That's, that's a great way of putting <laughs> Find him it. Very interesting as an artist. Yeah. He's like so yeah, just into doing lots of different stuff and growing and like expanding. Uh, he's very worth getting into. I think. I gotcha. Um, uh, I I was gonna make a segue, but I just completely lost the thread there. Um, I think I was going to say something to the effect of like, let's talk about another Renaissance man, Zack Snyder. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, America's sweetheart, Zach, Zacky Snyder. You have Watchmen on here. Um, I do. I do think I'll just say quickly. I do think it's a great movie, Watchmen. All right. Yeah. It is my favorite Zack Snyder movie, <laughs> but I do have issues with it. But I still think okay. it's it's fascinating to me how. I think it is great, but also to me, some t- uh, it's it's kind of bad sometimes. But I think it's great. I don't know. It's even hard for me to process that movie still. Haven't seen it like so many times, and I kind of been wanting to watch it again uh, after uh, having watched um, his Justice League and uh, Army mm. of the Dead. Um, mm. But it t- talk about Watchmen. Uh, I, I'm fascinated to hear your take on Watchmen. Well. I watched it for the first time in March and I got too high. I smoked <laughs> too much weed. I took too big of a hit. I'm like such a lightweight now and I get paranoid really easily now, even though like I've smoked a lot of weed in my life. Um, but it affects me differently now. Um, and so I just got too high too quickly and I started watching Watchmen and like as I was kind of like starting to come down from it and get into this like better headspace uh, while still being very high, it just, I don't know. It just like, it really, it really offered me this like 
uh, what's the word transcendental experience oh, yeah um, I thought it was life life altering watching this movie I could not believe like I don't know there was something about it that was like really just melding with the weed I feel like I was very impressed to watch like I've never read the graphic novel I didn't really know what Watchmen was about um, so I don't know it was like impressing me to see this superhero movie with like sex and violence and like cursing and it just felt so cool like and it felt like truly like i watched it again a couple nights later because i was so deeply affected by it and i was like oh my god was i just high so i watched it like a, i watched it a couple days later and i was like no no this is amazing i don't know it's like a very for me movie i think that Zack snyder is like say what you want about him but i just deeply respect how much he like loves the movies that he makes and I feel like it's so like on display in Watchmen that he cares very deeply for the source material and for this this world that he's helping bring to life uh and I and even though it's such a messy movie and like there are parts that are quote-unquote bad I think it all comes together to create like something that is good because it's so flawed because it it feels like it was made by a human yeah yeah. which you could say about like yeah which you can't say about like marvel movies um but you can still say about Zack snyder's dog shit dc movies which like no offense but i think are dog shit (laughs) like (laughs) i don't like i did not like his justice league i do not like batman versus superman which i have seen twice um and i did not like man of steel but i think that they are still like movies with mid by a guy who has a vision and who like knows what he's he knows the source material he's doing his thing i just think it's better in watchmen like what he's doing is just better i get that in that movie specifically yeah you know like for me and i I, it's it's too bad you didn't like his justice league because i love (laughs) for me like that four-hour cut is is like uh is is a a close number two to Watchmen in terms of um my my favorite work from snyder because those two Mm. movies Watchmen and the four-hour justice league have like two of the best superhero sequences ever like you know forget marvel forget anything else the dr manhattan origin in Watchmen. it's so good that still blows my mind like that that piece in and of itself that section and, and you're saying like you know there are you said like there are great parts in the movie sure some of it is like quote unquote bad but that alone makes this you know forget everything else that's in the movie that's already automatically like three stars boom that sequence it's there. so good it's amazing yeah um yeah and so that sticks with me when i want to rewatch it it's like oh i just want to see that and like you know the ending mm-hmm. i love you know the 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 even the opening credit sequence there's a lot to love Oh, the opening... People shit on the opening credit sequence because they're like, oh, obvious Zack Snyder. He set an opening credit sequence that shows you the progression of time to Bob Dylan's the times they are changing. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, like, well, it's a good fit. I think it's an extremely, like, beautiful opening sequence. Like, I love it. Unironically, it fits to the music so well. It's so well, like put together i love the slow motion like i don't know it just is so people can shit on Zack snyder's music needle drops all they want i think they're good and they can all go to hell there you go um <laughs> we have that on record 
Um, yes. Oh, and I, I want to say anybody who's wondering, um, the sequence in the Four Hour Justice League is that sequence when the Flash goes back in time. That's what I think is like you know the second best superhero sequence in any film uh. at, the, at the end of Justice League. Um, that blew me away. So anyway, Zack Snyder, you've got it, buddy. I love what you're doing. Keep 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 doing what you're doing. Um, I agree. Real quickly, observer report. I love that you have that on here. Yes. Recently, I've been rewatching um, Vice Principals. And, Amazing. And I do need to go back and like do a fourth <laughs> watch of Eastbound and Down. I love. Oh, yeah. I love um, Dana McBride. I love Jody Hill. I love whatever they're doing. My boys. Um, but yeah, observer report hit me right in the fucking face when I saw it. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, oh, I love Eastbound and Down. Let's see what this movie's about. Oh, my God, Jesus yeah. Christ, that movie's amazing. Observer Report. Oh, it's, so it's so dark. Yeah. I, I watched it for the first time thinking it was going to be like like a funny like comedy because I love... I've, I, if I rewatch Eastbound and Down, that will also be my fourth watch. I've seen it three times. Uh, I've seen... Yeah, I've seen Righteous Gemstones twice. I've seen Vice Principles twice. I've seen like all of their other films, Foot Fist Way, yeah. Legacy of Oak, whatever. I'm a big fan of Jody Hill and Danny McBride. Um, so I w- went to watch this, and it's like I laughed a little bit, but I was like, "Damn, this movie is fucked up." And then I watched it again, and I found it funnier. But I, I love how fucked up it is. It is such a dark movie, and like I had a friend review his review on letterboxd of observe and report was that or no his review of richard jewell was <laughs> that richard jewell and observe and report would make a great double feature because they are yeah. like about the same thing yeah. like the incompetence of law enforcement and these like dumb men who like worship policing even though like the system is like working against them that's um, that's a beautiful pairing i love that <laughs> it is yeah <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, oh no! So we shouldn't forget the Social Network, but I'm, I'm, I'm yes. I think we all know that's a fantastic movie. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. It just you know we can restate it again. It, I for me, I think if I had to choose, because Fincher is my second favorite filmmaker, um, I have to nice. I have to pick Social Network as maybe his favorite. But if you ask me again tomorrow, I'd probably pick Zodiac. But Social Network. It, oh. Oh, yeah, that almost made this list too. I was like, I I put Zodiac on this list, and then I was like, wait, no, Social Network. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Social Network again. Uh, I'll probably be the five thousandth person. Five thousand. I can't say the sentence. I'll probably be the five thousandth person to say, hey, you know what? Still holds up. Social Network. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it got yeah. it got the internet right. It got the internet right in 2010. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go on to the next five. Here we go. All right. Prometheus 2012, The Grand Budapest oh, yeah. Hotel 2014, Inherent Vice 2014, What We Do in the Shadows 2014, and Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping 2016. Wow, these groups keep being so good. Oh my god! I love all these movies. It's so crazy. what happened? <laughs> In 2014. <laughs> Is there a bunch of 14 movies? Yeah. Oh my god, you're right. Is Grand Budapest also? Grand Budapest, Inherent Vice, and What We Do in the Shadows? Yeah, oh, wow. those three were 2014. Was that an important year That's for you? That's crazy. What happened in 2014? Well, that was my first year in college. I guess I watched a lot of good movies when I started college. Interesting. Interesting. Damn. No, that was my... Well... 
No, 2014. 2014 would have been my second semester of freshman year, my first semester of sophomore year. Um, I love that you have. Okay, I don't even know where to start. Pop star never stop, never stop. <laughs> a, a movie I just rewatched again a few weeks ago oh. <laughs> still makes me laugh. It's I still love that trio. Um, it, it's like it's like they're they're blessed and cursed. They're blessed in the way of like, oh, let's make another great comedy all timer, right? But cursed mm. in the way that nobody goes to see those movies. It's like, God yeah, damn it. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, Hot Rod still has such, I didn't realize, Hot Rod is so beloved and it still has like such a low Rotten Tomatoes score. I did not realize for a long time that it had been like generally like, I don't know, pretty mixed. I yeah. think it actually is a 30%. Yeah, it was like generally negative reviews upon release because of how much it's like beloved by audiences um pop star conversely has a pretty good score i think on rotten tomatoes a generally like i think it's like i hate that i know this but i think it is like 60 or 70 <laughs> but um i mean it's good but then of course i mean they're both good but the irony is of course that like pop star also just came and went uh and we're still like trying to real pop star heads are still trying to get the good word out on it yeah, and uh, another movie, at least two of the boys had their hands in, uh, that I'm still mm. trying to get people, you know, to, to admit it's a masterpiece is MacGruber. Um, and that... Oh, MacGruber's great. <laughs> that came and went, too, in theaters. Like, not as... I don't know the Rotten Tomatoes score, but I'm sure not as high as it should be. It should be 100%. It should be the, the top the top rated movie on the Rotten Tomatoes, if you ask me. Um, okay. But yeah, I, 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 at least I'm happy that these movies, at least to me, like, they're getting... They're due finally. It's uh, I guess you call them cult classics now because yeah, I I love it. I love yeah. I, I keep seeing people mention Pop Star at least like it's on my feed every once in a while, so that's good. So and I'll, and mm-hmm. I'll say this: the music is hilarious. Like it, it's it's like their best work. Oh term- God, it, I know. <laughs> I've been I've been fans of theirs since like their SNL stuff. And yeah, same. Pop star of the movie felt like a culmination of like, oh, this is the best we can do in terms of like lyrics, music videos, like images with these lyrics. Like mm-hmm. everything works in Pop Star, and yeah, yeah, should be seen as a great film. So hopefully we've um, convinced a few people here. Um, we better have. Better have. Um, be knocking heads. Speaking of convincing. Commit to me on mm. Prometheus because that one. Oh yes. Oh, it's a perfect film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've tried. No, it's not perfect. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried really hard to love Prometheus like other people do, like you do. Uh, I'm sure, but it's mm. a t- it's a tough movie for me. Kind of almost similar to Watchmen. I think there's amazing sequences in Prometheus, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I don't know. It, it, talk to me. I, I want to hear your. You know, your more focused thoughts on Prometheus because I have none (laughs) right now. It's so funny because I first, my ex-boyfriend came from a very like religious family. Ah, okay. I remember him talking to me about Prometheus a lot because I it was just some movie that was on his radar, I think, and that he watched because of the like religious. It's not even subtext. It's like just on the film. It's so overt, Um, but. I remember we, I think he had already seen it and we watched it together when we lived together in college. Um, and I remember thinking, this is dog shit. 
Um, maybe not dog shit, but I, I think I gave it three stars and I just thought it was like, okay. Um, and then I watched Alien Covenant. I think I was excited for Alien Covenant because, and I think part of the reason we watched it was because of Alien Covenant and I was excited for it because Danny McBride was in it. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, and then I watched Alien Covenant and I thought it was worse. I thought it was so bad. And then I rewatched both Pandemic ended up being a very like good movie watching time for me. I ended up rewatching both and giving them another chance and I thought they were both like amazing. I think I gave Alien Covenant like four stars and I think I gave Prometheus like three and a half. I think I had greatly appreciated it more. And then I rewatched both of them again. Uh, this year, a couple months ago with my friend, um, we watched it over Zoom, and yeah, I don't know, like, the there's something about the lore of that movie, it's like the religious stuff I think is very interesting, that he's like trying to very, like, gratuitously attach to these films, is so, like, interesting, and I, I don't know, there's something about that origin story of, like, you know, creator versus creation that I just some for some reason for me it really adds to the Alien franchise because then I rewatched like the other films um, and yeah I don't know I I, I again it kind of just ties into like I really like messy f- films yeah. that are like ambitious and really like swinging for the fences and I feel like Ridley is really like trying to do something like very epic with Prometheus. Um, Alien Covenant is, I don't think, as good, and it kind of um, gets rid of some of the stuff that they start with Prometheus, but it still has David, who is, like, an amazing fucking character. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. So good. Think- there's so much, and there's so much, like, good, just good individual stuff that people like about the movies, even if they don't like them as a whole. David is, like, one of them. People love David. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love that character. I love Fassbender in that role. Um, yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, there's this ambition in both those movies. Prometheus in particular, a lot more ambition, because he just, really Scott just was, like, let go. It's, like, unleashed. And, like, he's like, oh, yeah, let's... <laughs> and, and, and I watched that, like, three-hour making of documentary of Prometheus, like, on the Blu-ray, like, when that, when that came oh, wow. out. And I was fascinated by just really Scott at at the, at, uh, at, a, at a desk. Um, and, like, I forget the screenwriter. Was it Damon Lindelof, right? Um, yeah, he actually, like, he... I was told just really quick that I did not realize that I think he... Did he write it or did he redo it? He might have redone it. But I read the original I, script, which is crazy. But anyway. Yeah, I, I think. And, and, and this like uh, shows uh, like this making of documentary shows you like the process of like the writing, rewriting of it, because it is just like okay. Scott, like with a cigar in his mouth, talking to Lindelof and basically just <laughs> tossing ideas out. It's like, oh, let's do this. Oh, oh let's do this. And Lindelof is like, OK, mm-hmm. OK, OK, we'll do that, Scott. We'll do that. Um, Sir Scott. Um, that's kind of how I feel about the movie. It's like just Ridley Scott throwing stuff on there. And I, I admire the amazing effort. <laughs> it's, it is, Hi. it is like so densely interesting to me still. And yeah. I, I will admit, you know, uh, I give another shot. You know, not a favorite of mine, but I will give another shot. I will. Good. Um, the Grand Budapest Hotel, 
Perfect. Mm, That's what I think about uh, when I think of that movie. It's I know Wes Anderson is like dragged, you know, for his like the 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 you know what. I mean, you've heard it. You've heard like people say, "Oh, it's a Wes Anderson movie. It's like the same." You know, white people colored nonsense, uh, like the aesthetic of like white people in like perfectly centered frames. But I don't know. To me, Grand Budapest Hotel, and you might agree with me here because it's on your list. Like it's like the perfect encapsulation of his like style and story. Yes. And yes. right, and Ray Fine's character is like the perfect Wes Anderson character, and like the best thing about that movie. And, and that, the entire movie is perfect, but him in particular, oh, breaks my heart each yeah. time I see it. Yeah, it's like I agree with you. That's why it's my favorite because it's it's hard to pick one of his films because like he's he I guess also with the Coen brothers it's like I have to include movies from directors that were very like influential influential to me growing up so like Wes Anderson David Fincher um uh Coen brothers even if like they're they might not be one of my favorite directors now or I'm growing out of them it's like their movies are still some of my favorites and I would still say though that Wes Anderson is one of my favorite directors I would not deny that um but yeah I love all of his movies but I pick the Grand Budapest Hotel because I do feel like it is just the apex of like his style his storytelling abilities his aesthetic sensibilities it's all come to a head and it's like people I mean, people can knock his style all they want. Like, okay, don't watch his movies then. Like, yeah. you don't like you don't like his style. So many of us do. I do. And like that was, I feel like people knocked. I mean, obviously, most people really liked Grand Budapest, but that was something people knocked on it for. Was they were like, oh god, this is the quirkiest movie of all his dumb little quirky movies, and it's like, well. Yes. Yeah. But like, I feel like he marries it really perfectly with such a good script um, and such good performances. I mean, it's like uh, the perfect encapsulation of whether Wes Anderson is for you or he isn't. And I think if you love Wes Anderson, then it's like hard to not see it as the apex of his work. Yeah. Um, I know we're approaching the end, uh, but I have to oh give a shout out to what we do in the shadows. Um, I love that that's oh, yeah. on here. Um, <laughs> and Inherent Vice, uh, I'm assuming because oh, it's yeah. on there, your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, God, I dig that movie so much. <laughs> Inherent Vice. It's just... I loved, liked it more and more over the years. It's really hard for me to pick one of his films as my yeah. favorite. And Punch Drunk Love is a very close runner up. Oh, yeah. Even closer followed by The Master. Um, but I think Inherent Vice I've watched the most. And it has been on such a, like, tumultuous like journey with me like I went from not liking it very much to liking it to like loving it and I like over time my appreciation for it just grows so intensely and it started off being a date movie too Ah. (laughs) so it has like a little history there um but yeah no I think for now at least it's my favorite uh PTA movie gotcha gotcha it's very beautiful yeah it is a beautiful movie oh I love it um Okay, final five. Here we go. Let's jump into it. Oh, boy. All the, right, yeah. M- the Merowitz stories, new one selected from 2017, Twin Peaks The Return from 2017, Under the Silver Lake from 2018, Uncut Gems from 2019, and The Beach Bum from, the Beach Bum from 2019. There you go. The last five. Nice. The final five. All right. Um, 
Oh, I did mention like about After Hours. Like, there's a movie later on the list that I want to talk about in conjunction with that. But Under the Silver Lake, that to me mm. would make a beautiful pairing with After Hours because it yeah. it deals with like that masculinity, like that that like a man lost in his own sense of like worth and and a mystery revolving around everything. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I love Under the Silver Lake. I was like really like nonplussed about it the first time I saw it, but then I saw it again. I was like, oh no, this is this is this is amazing. And Andrew Garfield doesn't get nearly enough credit for it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, I love that movie. Um, we can also talk about Twin Peaks: The Return because hey, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> mystery, uh, yeah. holy hell, the fact that Lynch did that. And it's still one of the best pieces of TV. And I know it's a top 25 list of movies, but hey, uh, I don't care about that discussion right now. Uh, I love the fact that we're talking about it still. So um, yeah, talk about either those two or or any other five on this list. Um, Twin Peaks The Return is listed because... I would have picked one of his movies, but it's really hard because I would say Lynch is my favorite director right now. Okay. Um, it's so hard for me because, like, I love all of his... I still have to see the straight story, but I love all of his movies. Um, and But I would say Twin Peaks is my favorite thing of his, and it's not a movie. So I was like, I'll add Twin Peaks The Return because people are constantly arguing about whether it's a movie or not. So that's how I'll sneak that in there. Um, but yeah, Twin Peaks is like my favorite thing on this earth, uh, like media wise. So, um, yeah, I, I would definitely, I had to have Lynch in here, but I feel like it would be not representing my tastes, uh, or preferences to have one of his movies, even though I do love them. I would not say, I would not put them in my top 25, uh, but yeah, Twin Peaks definitely, um, Meyerowitz Stories, I think, is the best Noah Baumbach movie. Many people might disagree with me. They are wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's, like, just such a good... I talked about it on a different podcast. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I've watched it, I've watched it, like, five or six times at this point. And I just love the... I don't know. I love the characters. I love the dysfunctional family. That's uh, I. I love the like. My parents said it was such a. They thought it was such an un uh, like an a uh, not ordinary but just so uncinematic and just you know people sitting around talking and ah oh, that's what I love about it. All the conversations are so good. You just want to listen to these people talk and get acclimated into their world. Um, and I just love being like a fly on the wall to this family and watching their whatever ups and downs and and you know feeling like we've only caught just this tiny little window into their lives there's no real beginning or ending it's just like this you know little snapshot you might say it's a slice of life film oh interesting um, that's, that's a good phrase yes <laughs> you might say um but write yeah. that down. and then I- <laughs> And then Under the Silver Lake just falls into my, like, After Hours, Eyes Wide Shut. That's why they're up there, because I love... Oh, that's right, Eyes Wide Shut, yeah. I love movies about secrets and secret societies and, like, like just, like, odysseys 
I guess, like nighttime Odyssey. Oh, that's right. Um, uh, uh, Inherent Vice also kind of does that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Inherent Vice absolutely does. Yeah, but even more so, there's like a there is a more um, I don't know, not yeah, like there is an occult um, um, aspect, like not actual like black magic or anything, but there is this like otherworldly aspect to Under the Silver Lake and Eyes Wide Shut that adds uh, and scratches this really specific itch that I like in certain movies. Um, So yeah, that's why that's there. I think Under the Silver Lake is a genuine masterpiece. And I I had a interaction with a friend on Twitter where it feels like one of the few, like the phrase cult film gets thrown around a lot these days. Yeah without actually like using it properly um but i would say but we were just agreeing that under the silver lake i think is like actually becoming a cult film because it's like it was so mixed mixed to negative upon its reaction it was just dumped on video on demand and it's like slowly people are starting to realize like oh it's great like it's slowly starting to have a positive um more positive view on it as the as the years are kind of going on i think like it will eventually be seen as as a actual cult classic oh yeah i'm in complete agreement um for sure Hmm. um let's talk about the last two the most recent films uh on your list from 2019 beach bum and uncut gems uh i'll just quickly say uncut gems Mm -hmm. i think i think about a lot like you know period i think about the movie in general, that ending, and I'm Sandler in it. It's just it's stuck in my mind since seeing it. I saw it like last time I saw it was on Election Day last year in November. So that was a whirlwind watch. Wow. Um, it's fantastic. Beach Bum, I do need to revisit. I remember liking it when I first saw it, but it's it's another one of those like, it, yeah, I, I, I think about that every once in a while too. Um, I forget the exact line that's in there that I think about constantly, but maybe it'll come to me as you talk about it. But yeah, talk about these last two on your list from 2019, Uncut Gems and Beach Bum. Um, sure. I mean, I I love Uncut Gems. I made it part of I made it part of my I don't know internet brand on my old account. <laughs> be very annoying about loving Uncut Gems, and it almost feels like I've exhausted what to say at this point. I wrote a whole like essay on it um i don't know it's just like a perfect film it's just it it's 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 so hard to say in such a in such a small amount of time like why it's an amazing work of art i mean it's it's this you know incredibly unique lived in world with these incredibly like unique characters that don't exist anywhere else while still paying like reference and uh, not homage, I guess homage, but like the film still owes, you know, so much to other films, uh, like Killing of a Chinese Bookie and like Bad Lieutenant, which I rewatched or I watched for the first time and then rewatched it uh, recently, and I realized like, oh shit, like it's very similar to Uncut Gems. Um, but it's like they you they draw inspiration from other works of art and they create this just. So wholly original, um, totally like enrapturing world, um, and it's like say what you want about how 
anxiety inducing it is. I think it's amazing that a film can make you feel like that. Like, and once you have watched it, like once or twice or more, keep watching it. Um, I mean, the anxiety just goes away and it's like, you're just tuned into everything else about the film. I mean, it's like the first time I watched it, it was like, I wasn't that um, anxiety induced by it. Like I found a couple scenes were like kind of, oh my God, make this stop. I want to get off this ride. <laughs> Um, but it, it didn't like get to me as, as much as other people evidently, but then it's like after that first watch, you're just in tune to everything else in the film. You're in tune to the, the non-professional actors that they grabbed off the street to add to their film, which gives, gives the film this like, so such a lived in authentic quality to it. Um, you're, you're looking at the blocking, you're looking at the choreography of these incredibly intricate scenes and what they're doing to make it feel like you're being suffocated. Just like, you know, uh, Arno and his goons when they're like locked in the little entryway door at the end of the film. I mean, it's like the music and the cinematography, which makes like every frame of the film, like feel like you're inside of the titular gem um i mean it's it's an amazing experience watching it it's like it's it's a true feat <laughs> i could go on and yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> um let's end on and beach then the bum. beach yeah. bum <laughs> which is also i think an amazing film i think it's a masterpiece i also think it's going to be a cult classic because yeah. it came out and i feel like it was generally i mean it doesn't have a very um, low Rotten Tomato score, but it's similarly kind of, it was similarly kind of looked over, but there was always a small sect of people that thought it was amazing and gave it five stars when they watched it, like me. Um, and I think that is kind of growing. Um, I've tweeted about it and, and written about it, and people have been like, yeah, I agree, This it's an amazing movie. I mean, it's just like a, it's so... People think it's dumb. I don't think it's a dumb movie. People think it's like really nihilistic. I don't think it's necessarily nihilistic. Oh, no. I like no. I like wrote about the way I interpret the existentialism of the film, which I feel is more absurd and existential than it is specifically nihilistic. Um, I think it's drawing on like the beauty from the absurdity of life and existence. Um, and that it's like life is meaningless sure but like there is meaning in that um i don't think it's a specifically um like negatively nihilistic film um and it's just so fun and it's hilarious it's so fucking funny zach efron and his jorts and then we have or not jorts it's like giant jeans or whatever and his like bluetooth headset um and like jonah hill's character and his like weird southern accent oh it's just so funny matthew mcconaughey is like is like playing the role he's always been born to play i mean it's amazing yeah uh now you're making me really want to rewatch it because <laughs> i think yes I think I think that existentialism um, I just didn't expect when I first watched this and I've only seen it once so yeah. but I still but I still agree with you that it's like it's not like a negative you know nihilistic you know uh, um, point of view of the world like that, yeah. that, that's what I think has stuck with me too is like um, how McConaughey's character deals with that and like what he goes through I'm not gonna spoil it but you know somebody dies in the middle of the movie and that kind of struck yeah. me. It's like, whoa, this is what this movie is now. So, yeah, I love that just 
worldview philosophy by the end where it's not nihilistic there is like some hopefulness to that existentialism so oh, yeah uh, yeah mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. i yeah i get that feeling too that you know i see more and more people talking about beach bum and i think it'll it'll yeah it'll become a, a cult hit a cult classic yeah yeah so we're in agreement there um that's the list wow thank you so much brianna this was this was a delight hearing you talk about these great movies um i'm excited to revisit some of these um and i'm excited to watch these again too some of these are my all-time favorites too um before we go uh plugs where can people where can the people listening find you online oh boy um you can find me on twitter at just free zigs um you should subscribe to my free newsletter uh briannaziggler.substack.com um and yeah those are like the main places where you can find me um and then i guess on my twitter profile you can find my link tree which has like my portfolio if you want to check out my other work um my linkedin i don't know if you're a freak and want to look at my (laughs) resume i don't know if you're an employer you want to hire me i don't know (laughs) but uh yeah that's that is where you can find me (laughs) i love that calling people freaks for going to check out your hey freak come check out my linkedin (laughs) and want to hire me (laughs) are you freaks out there get it on come on um Thank you again, Brianna. This was fun. Thank you um, so much for having me. Yeah, and uh, here's where I say the signature catchphrase to close things out with, um, hey, everybody, see you at the movies. No, I never say that. Okay, bye.